experiencing the blessing of the gospel yes, and again um, we have a lot of work to do after this because the end of uh, the soul winning revival is the beginning of our work <laughs> it's not the end of everything and then we sit back and relax no this is yeah. the beginning the beginning yeah. of the work and I'll tell you I was convicted um, because there was this girl when we went to the Philippines there was this girl that stayed with us I told the young men uh, in our men's meeting about this and I was really troubled because for many times, for many days, sometimes I cannot see this uh, woman. She's staying with us, but she work and work and work. She's just by herself, so she just keep on working. And um, sometimes um, um, she's there but sleeping, and then we cannot see her. But I do not know. Uh, the Lord provided us a way, and I think that was on Sunday evening. Um, praise God, we arrived home early, and... Um, and this woman, I prayed for many nights that uh, the Lord will will save this woman because we know that she's uh, um, she she believes she's Catholic. She believes that uh, all religion are okay and all that. So I, she doesn't know the gospel, and the Lord, um, you know, opened the chance for me to share the gospel. And um, uh, after like 30 minutes of talk, or maybe more, um, she she received the Lord. I think that was uh, I timed it. Uh, we time it, I think that was um, 10.43, something like that. Because I checked the time. She received the Lord as, as her Savior. And again, um, that's, um, you know, the, the effect of uh, the gospel. We are bombarded with, you know, the, um, uh, uh, the preaching and how we need to reach out to people. And uh, just even myself, um, I, am, I am convicted that I have work to do just right there in my own household, just right there under my roof. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging people to share the gospel and, and do the same thing in their own individual families. And then right here in my own, under my roof, um, one is not saved. That's why, you know, I, but I was looking for opportunity and, and praise the Lord. You know, when I had, when we, I had, our, I had my dinner, she sat there um, not eating. And then after I finished my dinner, she still sat there. I, I think this is, the, this is the sign that the Lord is wanting me to, uh, to uh, present the gospel. When she was about to leave, to go upstairs because the next day she has work, then I began the conversation. And just asked the simple question. You know, I said, Jen, Jennifer is the name. Jen, um, if you die tonight, do you know for sure that your soul will go to heaven when you die? And she just answered it out of the, you know, sincerity of her heart. She doesn't know. She doesn't know. I said, this is something new. I want you to write it. I, I, I wrote that, uh, I do not know, and uh, whether I go to heaven or not. So um, she take that, that means that, that is her statement. And we will see after we talk in 30 minutes, whether we, that will change. Praise the Lord that that conviction that she doesn't know, uh, whether her soul will go to heaven changed to now I know Amen. by the grace of God she can confirm that now she knows that Amen. if she dies tonight she will go to heaven Amen. not because you know I, 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 I put it to her but it's the Holy Spirit of God the, the Lord that's confirmed it through yeah. his word yeah. you know we have a gospel that's still working yeah. we have the gospel you know I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God 
It is the power of God. It's not our power. We don't have power of our own. I told you many times, uh, all we need to do and the work that the Lord has laid upon us to do as those are those things that we can. He will not give us the work that we cannot do to save a soul. We cannot do it. There's no power in us that can save a soul. But the Lord said in, Mar um, in Acts 5.20, go, stand, and, and speak. Those three things, we can go. All of us can go. Go and stand. All of us can stand and speak. All of us, all of us can speak. But to save or to save the soul of a person, we cannot do it. That is where the Lord will work. To do those things that we cannot do. Just like, as I said, the example of, of the feeding of the 5,000. The Lord is the only one there that can multiply the, the bread and the fish. But the disciples can make the person, the people sit. And, you know, by 50s, the disciples can do that. So that's why the Lord commanded the disciples to, you know, make them sit down. Then after they, they obeyed the command of the Lord Jesus Christ, right there, the Lord performed the miracle. The same thing is true with us. Just go and stand and speak and let the Holy Spirit work after that. And I will tell you, when we obey the Lord in, in His bidding, when we obey the Lord, um, souls can get saved. Yeah. Because always, always, I believe in this, always, the Lord always um, uses human instrumentality in salvation. He always uses human instrumentality. And you know what? That human instrument might be you when you go stand and speak to the people. Tonight, let us, um, you know, uh, call our, our speaker, a very uh, good friend of ours. And he's been here with us for so many occasions of preaching. And now, once again, and for the last time, I hope not the last time, you can have him next time, Lord willing. Let's welcome Pastor Norris Belcher. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I missed you. All right. I missed you guys. And it's good to see you. And you're all back again. Praise the Lord for that. And um, I'm just so excited to be here. I know uh, that it's my, um, might be my last time here for some of you, but some of you are going down to um, Brother Hal's church. And, um, and so uh, I'll get to see you there. But the problem is I'm out of sermons. I <laughs> I don't have any more sermons to preach. No, that's not true. <laughs> I got a whole notebook full of sermons over there. Yeah, and um, but uh, what a delight to be here. I uh, certainly appreciate all the hospitality that you guys have shown to me, and um, thank you for uh, everything, the food and all you ladies that have worked uh, taking care of the food. God bless you ten times uh, more than than ever before. I'm telling you, it was awesome. And we certainly do appreciate all the kindness. And uh, hopefully one of these days I might be able to come back. I have this little thing called a church. And it just takes, <laughs> it just takes all my time. And, um, and so it's hard, hard to get away. Uh, I started getting text messages this morning um, 
uh, my phone started going off about four and because uh, they were all awake uh, over in America and um, uh, you know it's one of them deals I don't know how everybody in my church got my cell phone number but they've all got it <laughs> everybody's got it and uh, so my phone just <laughs> just kept going like that and um, and finally I stuck it under the covers but um, <laughs> quiet <laughs> trying to sleep but um, but anyway uh, my folks were text me a lot of them uh, uh, pastor we're praying for you and uh, we miss you hurry home uh, <laughs> you know uh, don't stay any longer than you have to and all that stuff so uh, but I'm just so thankful for everything God bless all of you amen hey. amen I love you I thank God for you and uh, just for the privilege of being able to preach for you and pastor thank you for the use of your home uh, that's very kind of you to open your house to a total stranger uh, you know total stranger I mean you don't know I could have been a serial killer nobody <laughs> nobody you, you, you would you wouldn't have known but um, anyway all right that's that's um, what I needed to tell you because I just needed to tell you that all right let's turn in our Bibles please to the book of the Revelation chapter 3 how many of you believe that the Lord Jesus is coming again soon would you raise your hand all right uh, how many of you believe that that we're in the last days of the last days. Would you say amen? Amen. amen. Me too. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm surprised the Lord has not already come. I'll be honest with you. I'm shocked that we're still here um, because um, uh, I think that we're living on borrowed time, if you want to know the truth. And so, you know, people talk about the signs of the second coming, and uh, that's at least seven years from tonight. The, the, let, me, let me help you with this real quick, all right? Here's what's going to happen. Rapture, rapture, all right? That's the first thing that's going to happen. Yeah. Then ruin seven years of tribulation on the earth. All right, so what's first? Rapture. Rapture. Second is what? Ruin. Ruin, and that's your tribulation period. All right, then at the, uh, at the end of that seven years, whew, you've got the return. All right, and that's the literal second coming of Christ to the earth. And then you've got reign, R-E-I-G-N, and that's the 1,000-year millennial reign. Okay, everybody got that? All right, let's review. What's first? Rapture, then what? Ruin, then what? Return, then what? Reign, 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ. Oh, and by the way, you and I get to rule and reign with him. That's awesome, isn't it? I've already asked for my city. Lord, give me Westminster, Maryland. I'm going to straighten that thing out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that when I get in my car, I don't have to stop at every single stoplight 
on the way to my house. That drives me crazy. All right, so we got rapture, uh, 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 ruin, then return, then rain, and then restoration. New heaven, new earth, and eternity. All right? All right, now all you taking notes, or, or those of you taking notes, let me, let me further help you real quick. I see you writing stuff down. All right, let me help you. For, for, for rapture, for, for, for rapture, it's Revelation 4. All right, that's Revelation 4. For the ruin, it's Revelation 6 through 18. That's the tribulation period. Revelation 6 through 18. All right, everybody got that? All right, for the return, it's Revelation 19. 19. Then for the rain, it's Revelation 20. And then for the restoration, it's Revelation 21 and 22. All right, so there I just explained to you the book of the Revelation in five minutes. All right, do what? Simple. It's simple, yes. It, it's not that difficult. All right, everybody got that? All right, so let's read this, and then I want to show you something very neat. This, this is, the, this, these five R's that I just gave you, these five R's are what, what is referred to in Bible college as eschatology. All right, that is the study of future things. Eschatology. Eschatos is, is future, all right, in Greek. And so eschatol or Latin, Latin, I think. But eschatology is, is uh, the study of future things. Now, there's all kinds of different opinions about eschatology, all right? There are some folks that say that, that our position, which is what we call the premillennial, uh, pre-tribulation uh, return of Christ, and they say, no, that's not right. Well, it is right. Mm -hmm. sure. That is the, I mean, read the book of the Revelation. That is the way it goes. Rapture, ruin, return, reign, restoration. No other way to understand it. But then there are some say, uh, well, there's mid-trib return of Christ. That's saying midway through the ruin period... Uh, that the Lord is going to come back. And they say that because they don't understand grace. You know, they think that the Christians and the church just have to be judged in some way. However, the book of Romans tells us there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Man, I'm glad for that. All right? That, uh, so, so they're, they're mid-trib. Then there's those that say that they're, they, they call themselves uh, post, post. And they say the Lord is coming back at the end of the tribulation period. Well, he is, but, 
but he's coming at, uh, for the rapture first. All right, so we are a pre, uh, we pre-trib rapture, and and uh, pre-trib uh, uh, a return of Christ uh, at the end of that seven-year period. All right, so then there's those who say they are ah millennialists. You know what an ah means? No, exactly. So they go ah, it ain't gonna be no millennium. All right. Did you get that? Ah, uh, ain't going to be no millennium. Okay? So they don't, believe, they don't believe in a millennium. They think we're in the millennium now. Oh, my, this is not the millennium, folks. No, sir. No, sir. Not if you know your Bible. All right. So I believe the Lord is coming back. Now, let me have you look, please, at verse 14. Chapter 3, verse 14. The Bible says, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art uh, uh, wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also <coughs> overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. All right, let's pray, and I want to speak to you tonight on the Laodicean church. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we rejoice in your blessing. Thank you so much for our wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus. And Father, thank you for this amazing uh, Bible that contains uh, what is your plan for this world. And Father, from, from Genesis 1-1 uh, all the way to Revelation 22-21, we see your plan for this world and for mankind unfold. And so I pray that you'll bless tonight as we look at that plan. And may the Lord be lifted up. In his name we pray. Amen. You know, the Bible is the most amazing book that has ever been penned. Uh, and what makes it so amazing is the fact 
that this book is God's book. This is not man's book. All right. Yes, God used men to pen the words uh, that are in this Bible. But make no mistake about it, it was the Holy Spirit of God who inspired those men to pen those words. So the Bible is uh, uh, God's book. It's God's word, not man's. The Bible, hold on just a second. Okay, thank you. The Bible is uh, divided into two covenants or testaments. You have the Old Testament and you have the New Testament. You have an Old Covenant based on the law and then you have a New Covenant based on the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, everybody got that part? All right, now understand this. It is amazing the way these two covenants complement each other. Absolutely amazing. Uh, and I want to make a statement here. If you want to write this down, you, you, you probably, uh, it would help you. All right, so here's the statement. The Old Testament, just write O-T, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. All right, now think of that. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. All right, did you get that? Let me say it again one more time. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. In other words, in that Old Testament, you're going to find New Testament truth everywhere you look. It's all over that Old Testament. All right, and then when you get to the New Testament, you're going to find Old Testament truth truth and pictures and types and prophecies fulfilled. You're going to see it all unfold. And you're going to scratch your head and go, wow, that was hidden back in the Old Testament. Yeah, it was. Because it all works together. They complement each other to unveil for us the plan of God. Amen. All right, now, with that in mind, I want to show you uh, a, a picture. I want to show you something, how, how, how amazing this Bible that we have actually is. I want to show you how wonderful it is. This tonight is going to be a little test on how well you know your Bible, okay? Is that all right? Can we give a little test tonight? All right. It's a it's a verb uh, an oral test. It, you, it's an oral exam. Uh, you, there's no A's or or F's. I mean, you can't fail. Uh, but uh, <laughs> this Bible's amazing, folks. Amazing. All right. Let me let's start here. Number one. Number one. I want you to write down my first point, which is the problem with Laodicea. 
the problem with Laodicea. Laodicea means ruled or judged by the people. Ruled or judged by the people. Now, notice, if you will, in let's let's look at chapter three and verse one. All right, notice in in verse uh, verse one of chapter three, he said, "And unto the angel of the church, what's the next word? In Sardis. Do you see that? All right. Now, everybody, come to church. You ready? Verse one, and unto the angel of the uh, of the church, next two words, in Sardis. Very good. All right. Look down, if you will, please, at uh, verse seven. It says, and to the angel of the church, next two words, in Philadelphia. All right. But now, and and by the way, the others in chapter two are the same way. Uh, he says uh, to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Uh, he says uh, to the um, uh, angel of the church in Smyrna. They're all the same. But now look, please, at chapter 3 and at verse 14. This one's different. Notice, and unto the angel of the church. Now read it of the Laodiceans. Do you see that? All the other churches said to the angel of the church in and named the town. But this one, it says unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. You see the difference there? I mean, basically what, what uh, the Holy Spirit is showing us here is the fact that these people uh, have have shoved God out. If you will look, please, in uh, in verse uh, twenty, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Why in the world would the Lord Jesus be on the outside of His own church? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the Laodiceans—that means ruled and judged by the people, they decided they want to throw him out. You see that? And so, folks, that's where we are today in our churches all over the world. And I'm talking, yes, that is democracy, ruled by the people. Ruled by the people. And that's what's wrong with our, uh, with our churches today. I mean, churches today have somehow or another gotten the idea that they're to be ruled and run by committee. You don't run a church by committee. I mean, the church is to be run by the man that God calls uh, to pastor that church. You say, well, uh, is he a dictator? He's a benevolent dictator. Yes, he's the pastor, all right? God is going to speak through him. God's going to lead him. You say, well, where do all of us fit in? All of us fit in 
in the fact that we uphold in prayer. We're like Aaron and her in the Old Testament who hold up the arms of Moses. And while Moses' arms were up, what happened? <coughs> they were winning. As soon as they dropped down, they started to lose. And so, uh, 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 so, so basically, uh, uh, that's what's happened to our churches. Our churches today are ruled by the people. I, I, I pastored a church uh, one time, and, and uh, I found this out after I got to, to the church. Um, I actually read it in the church constitution before I candidated, and so, you know, it's my fault. I should have known, I should have known uh, that, uh, that, that, that they did this. But every year they had what they called a confidence vote. You know, a confidence vote. In other words, at, at an annual business meeting, they would take a vote as to whether or not uh, the pastor ought to stay or leave. And so, so the one year ended, and, um, and here comes this guy that was, um, I think he was the church secretary, if I remember right, the fine, uh, the, uh, no, just the church secretary. And he said, uh, he said, Pastor, uh, uh, how do you want me to word this on the ballot? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, that the confidence vote. How do you want me to word it? And I said, what's that mean? He said, well, we vote every year on keeping the pastor or letting him go. And I said, oh, we're not doing that. He said, well, it's in the Constitution. I said, well, we're changing the Constitution. Instead of putting a confidence vote on the ballot, let's put a change the Constitution vote on the ballot, and we'll get rid of, of that thing. Listen, it is not ruled by the people. It is ruled by God Almighty. You know, when, it, when God says, time to leave, the pastor leaves. But until God says it's time for the pastor to leave, the pastor stays. You say, well, what if he messes up? Well, that's why you have church discipline. That's why you have church discipline. Uh, but listen, if he messes up, God will wear him out. You can be assured of that. God will wear him out. But, but this whole idea of ruled by the people did, did uh, was it here that i said something the other night about moss back deacons no. was that that wasn't here oh all right that always gets them going in america oh they love that all the church uh, all the pastors are going yeah yeah and all the moss back deacons you know what a moss back is right huh uh, you know what moss is all right you know what moss is you get moss in new zealand all right where does moss grow? It grows on a rock. What's a characteristic of a rock? It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't move. All right, nod your head, you with me? It doesn't move. And so I call them a bunch of moss-back deacons in America. And they've been, and I call them that because they've been standing in one place for so long 
and haven't moved, haven't done anything, and the end result is they got moss growing on their backs. All right? And so our churches all over America, brother, are, are run by a bunch of moss-backed deacons who haven't led a soul to Christ their entire life. They, 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 uh, they haven't ever uh, taught a class. Uh, most of them gather on the front porch after church and smoke cigarettes together. Uh, uh, not, not, not at my church. Oh, I stopped that too. I stopped that too. Yes, sir. I made an announcement. You're not smoking on church property, period. You would have thought I said, let's pray. <laughs> All the heads went down, let's pray. I said, whoa, 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 I didn't say let's pray, look at me. No smoking on the church property. I said, I said uh, 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 here's one thing about smoking. The cigarette smokes. You suck on it. That makes you a sucker. Amen. Amen. Can I tell you how to never get addicted to cigarettes? Don't ever smoke the first one. Amen. You know how to not get addicted to alcohol? Never take the first drink. You never see an alcoholic pick up a beer, hold it up and say, all right, I am now officially on the road to becoming a drunkard with no money and a wife and kids that left me because I can't stay sober and uh, uh, homeless and jobless and everybody hates me. Here we go and drink it down. No, they don't do that. It's, it's fun for a season, but it doesn't last. It doesn't last. All right, so young people, you remember that now. You remember that. All right, so what do you call this? Ruled by the people. Ruled by the people. Well, what it is is it's a democracy. It's a democracy. And folks, that's where we are e even in America today. That's what, although we are a representative republic in America, we're becoming a democratic nation in that you've got a bunch of, uh, of uh, unsaved, uh, uh, crazy people running the government in America. And, what, uh, and they, 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 they're in control of everything. And they're making all these uh, uh, decisions and saying, uh, well, you can't preach about this, and you can't talk about that, and you can't say this in public, and if you do, we're going we're gonna to end you, we're going to uh, silence you, we're going to cut you off. Well, listen, that's never going to work. That's never going to work. And that, uh, th that's why um, the American people are so upset and sick and tired of, uh, of Biden and all the rest of his little cronies that are implementing all of this stuff. We don't want that. We don't want that. Ruled by the people? No. No. Thank God that America has not gone under yet. But uh, uh, democracy is not a good form of government. 
You say, well, what's a good form of government? Theocracy. That's where God calls the shots. That's where God calls the shots. But what we are in America is a, a, a bunch of men and women uh, who are not listening to God. They won't listen to God. And when they won't listen to God, it can only go downhill. So it's no wonder that, that all Hades has broken out on our streets around the world and in our schools and in our homes and, and, and in our churches because we have become so self-oriented in our world today. We are rights crazy. Rights crazy. Oh, I want my rights. Yeah, I'll give you your rights and a few lefts too if you don't sit down. <laughs> amen. Don't say amen anytime you want. You're not going to upset me. Here's another one. You better entertain me. This is why the emerging church, you know, the contemporary church is so big. Because we want entertained. Oh, we don't want commitment. That's why they have no membership. You don't join them. You, don't, you just come in. You're there. All right? Entertain me. Entertain me. Make me feel good. Pat me on the back. Tell me what a good person I am. Don't you call me a sinner. Don't you dare call me a sinner. I preached one time about a year and a half ago, and, and, and I, I, told, I just told everybody, you're sinners. You're sinners. I said, we're all sinners. We're born that way. You don't have to teach a kid to do wrong, do you? You don't have to teach him to lie, do you? My little boy was about a year and a half, I, uh, I, two years, uh, he must have been two because uh, our twins had just come. Uh, we have twin daughters, twin girls. No training course or nothing, just boom, there they were, two. See, you, you don't have any more children? No, when you start having them two at a time, you quit. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. So I was watching the girls, you know, my wife said, I'm going to the store. I don't think it takes six hours to go to the store. <laughs> but she, uh, and, and I look around and my little, my little two-year-old Joshua is nowhere to be seen. And so I, I got the girls uh, uh, settled on the floor uh, with, a, uh, with a blanket and a bunch of toys. You had to separate them because one of them had hair, the other and didn't. And the one that didn't would grab a hold of the hair, the one that did, and pull it. And it was on. I mean, screaming bloody murder. So, so I got up and I, and I kind of tiptoed down the hallway. And as soon as I got to where uh, I could see around the, uh, the, the, to the refrigerator, I, 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 the refrigerator slammed shut. And I said, what are you doing? He said, nothing. I said, nothing, huh? What you got in your hand? Nothing. <laughs> you little liar. You little liar. He had grape jelly in his hand. And he had grape jelly all over his face. <laughs> I knew what he was into. When he was 
three months old, three months. I looked down at my precious little baby and I said, oh man, he's so sweet. Look at that. Look at that face. And so his, uh, Karen was working evenings uh, so we could eat. And, um, and so, so I, had, I was watching him and I, I was trying to prepare a sermon. And so I had him in a little uh, chair, set, a little baby chair sitting on the table beside of me and he was asleep. And so, you ever get that feeling someone's looking at you? You know, well, I did. I thought, who's looking? And it was him. He's just looking right at me, just staring right at me. <laughs> and so I, I got, I said, uh, oh, look at it. I picked him up and, and kind of loved on him a little bit. And then I set him back down. Well, when I set him down, all of a sudden, he let out this scream. I thought that he was having a heart attack. <laughs> it was terrible. I mean, ah, you know, and so I ran over real quick and I picked him up and, I, and he quit crying. I laid him down. He started crying. I picked him up. He stopped crying. I mean, I thought he was dying on me. I laid him down. He, he started crying again. I pick him up. He's fine. I said, you little liar. You're three months old and you're lying to me. You can't even talk yet, but you're lying to me. Amazing, isn't it? Well, let me tell you something, folks. You call somebody a sinner today, and boy, oh boy, do they get upset. And I preached on how everybody's a sinner, and this, this woman out in the hallway, waiting out in the foyer, waiting on me. And when I walked out, she said, I am very upset with you. And I said, why? She said, well, you called me a sinner. I said, no, I didn't. She said, well, you most certainly did. I said, no, I didn't. She said, well, I heard it with my own ears. I said, ma'am, what you heard me say is God said you're a sinner. Big difference. I didn't say it. God said it. So you just get mad at God, all right? Get mad at God. Don't get mad at me. She got saved a couple of weeks after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Laodicea, that's the problem. Ruled or judged by the people. Number two, I want to show you a picture of Laodicea. A picture. All right? Go back in your Bible, please, to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 17, the book of Judges in the Old Testament, in chapter 17. Judges 17, and we're going to look specifically here at verse 6. Verse 6. Look at what verse 6 says. It says, in those days. What days? Days of the judges. All right? In those days, there was no king in Israel. But every man did that which was right in his, what? Own eyes. In his own 
eyes. Exactly. Look at 18.1. In those days there was no king in Israel. Look at 19 and verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel. Look please at chapter 21. 21, the last chapter, and verse 25. And again, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and every man, uh, every man did that which was right in his what? Own eyes. Now, folks, listen very carefully. During the uh, period of the judges, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Again, what is that? That's democracy. That is ruled or judged by the people. That is me saying, I don't care what you say, this is what I believe and this is what I'm going to do. Everybody does that which is right in their own eyes. There was no king in Israel. But now wait a minute. Did God ever call Moses a king? No. No. How about Joshua? No, Joshua was never called a king either. He said, well, then I don't get it. If there was no king in Israel, why did he, I mean, if he didn't call Moses a king, he didn't call Joshua a king, and yet there was no king in Israel, what's that mean? What would you say? God was to be the king. Yes, ma'am. You want to do this? <laughs> Boy, you done good, girl. Yeah, God was to be their king. God was to be their king. But they had gotten to the place where, you know, just like us today, in our churches, we don't want God. You know, we don't want God. Jesus is on the outside knocking in Laodicea. We don't want God. Uh, uh, if the Holy Spirit is even allowed in, we said, now you go over and sit in the corner and behave yourself and don't cause a ruckus. All right, we don't even want the Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, we might have to do something for God. You know what I mean? All right? So, so there was no king in Israel and and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So what had happened was the theocracy where God was the king was out. And democracy was in. So basically uh, uh, what, you, what you've got is the same thing as what I just read for you out of the book of the Revelation about Laodicea. The the, the uh, Laodicean church is the book of the judges all over again. It's every man does that which is right in his own eyes. And folks, this is where we are all over the world. There is no king in New Zealand. Uh, there's no God in New Zealand. And every man does that which is right in his own eyes. 
That's why you have people killing one another. That's why you have uh, 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 people uh, cheating and stealing and uh, why you have the, the sodomites uh, running all over the place and, and flaunting themselves. I saw, I saw a guy about six foot three today with a blue dress on, high heels. Oh, my goodness. I, uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I don't know about you, but I'm a man, and I'm glad I am. Mercy. I wouldn't want to be a girl. <laughs> Y'all have to put makeup on and all that stuff. I fix your hair. I, I wouldn't fool with any of it, to be honest with you. Churches that used to have standards and convictions, they don't have them anymore. They don't have them anymore. You know, I've, I've been at this preaching thing for a long time, long time. I started uh, uh, preaching outside my church in churches uh, uh, when I was 26 years old. I mean, I, I was holding revival meetings while I was pastoring. I would tell them I can't be there on Sunday. I can't be there on Wednesday. But I'll, I'll preach Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday if you want. I mean, you know, I've been doing this a long time. You know... There are people, pastors, who had me preach for them several years ago. They won't have me today. You know why? Because I haven't changed. I still preach from the King James Bible. My music standards are solid. I don't put up with foolishness. I just don't do it. I had, you're going to love this one. I had a guy come in. He said, he said, uh, uh, you the pastor? I said, yes. You the main pastor? I said, yes. I'm, yes. And he said, uh, do you not believe me? You know, uh, and he said, well, God told me I was supposed to, to sing in your church this morning. I said, did he now? <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, really? Yeah. I said, well, that's awesome. He said, uh, when do you want me to sing? I said, I'll tell you what. You come and sit right here on the back row, right here. And he said, I don't get to sit on the platform? I said, no, you sit right here. Well, why? I said, well, I mean, when God tells me that you're supposed to sing, I'll call you up. <laughs> Yeah. You, you want to know when he sang? He didn't. No, because I'm the pastor. God's not going to tell him to come into my church and sing. No, he would tell me, hey, let that man sing. So, but, and he got mad. He got mad. He got up and left. He kept going. And I would go. <laughs> Like that. And so when I started preaching, he left. Now, he just didn't go very far. He went outside. One of the deacons, one of my ushers said he went outside and stood out there fuming and, and uh, you know, having a fit because I wouldn't let him come up and sing. Uh, but then uh, when service was over and people started leaving, he came back in. And, boy, 
I mean, I'm so glad I did not let him sing because he had a foul mouth. He was cursing me because I would not let him sing. I said, sir, now you know why I didn't let you sing. Amen. Where's that stuff come from? It's birthed in a democracy, folks. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. And this Laodicean period is the period of the judges all over again. All right? Now, watch this. This, this, is, um, this, is, this is something you need to follow. All right? I'm gonna sh you know God uses numbers, right? All right? Three, three is the number of completion in the Bible. All right, six, the number of man, five, the number of grace. Seven is the number of perfection. And there's a lot of sevens in, in the Bible. All right, now, watch. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start right here with Abraham, the first Jew, the father of the Jewish people, the patriarch. All right, Abraham, who's next? Isaac, yes. Who's next? Jacob, yes. Not Esau, Jacob. All right, not Esau. All right, Who's, where's the line go then? Jo Joseph. Joseph, patriarch. All right, Joseph. Line goes through him. All right, then who's, who follows? What patriarch follows? Joseph. Starts with an M. Moses. What'd you say? <laughs> Manasseh. What Bible are you reading, girl? <laughs> All right, you with me? Think. The, think. Beginning of the Bible. Chapter 12. You got Abraham. You then have Isaac. You then have Jacob. You then have Joseph. You then have Moses, very good. You then have Joshua. And what follows Joshua? What follows Joshua? The book of Judges. All right? Isn't that something? Now watch. It gets better. All right? Watch. All right? These seven patriarchs and period, period of the Judges, parallel with the seven churches almost perfectly. You say, how so? Well, think with me. Abraham, the first Jew. The first Jew. The beginning of the Jewish people. And then the first church in Revelation 2 is the church at Ephesus. The beginning of the church age. All right? Ephesus means to let go. And that's what the early church did. Boom, man, they let go. They, they, they spread the gospel around the known world. All right, so you have, number one, Abraham, and he parallels with Ephesus. Then you have Isaac. You remember that Isaac was persecuted by Ishmael according to Galatians 4 
and uh, verse 29. And then Smyrna is the second church in Revelation 2. And Smyrna is the persecuted church. All right, you see that? Oh, it's got a per almost perfect parallel. Then you've got Jacob. Now, you remember Jacob's story, right? Uh, he fell in love with the beautiful Rachel. And, uh, but Rachel had a sister, Leah, and she was not quite as attractive as her little sister. And so Jacob went to Rachel's daddy and said, I want your daughter for marriage. And he said, sure, but here's the dowry you have to work seven years for. And he said, whew, okay. But it seemed like just, I mean, just didn't like, it was over with because he loved her so much. All right, so wedding time. They go in for the wedding and all the words are given, everything's spoken, everything's said. And then they said, you can now kiss your bride. And so he lifts the veil off, and Daddy had, had, uh, had done the old switcheroo on him. You know what, you remember? All right? So instead of Rachel, who was it? Yeah. Leah. Yeah. And uh, Jacob turns around and says, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's in the Hebrew. Yeah. Bro, what are you doing? He said, well, we have a law here. Did nobody tell you about that law? No, somebody must have just overlooked that. The law says that the oldest one has to be married before the youngest one. And I'm sure he was standing there going, well, why didn't you tell me that? You know? And so he had to work seven more years to get Rachel. And so now, look at me. He's muchly married. All right? Muchly married. He's got two wives. Two. That's two mother-in-laws. <laughs> two. Do you know what mixed emotions are? That's your mother-in-law going over a cliff in your brand new Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get that you don't get that mixed emotions mixed emotions you'll have to explain it to him later All right, I'll explain it to you after church okay alright so that parallels with Pergamos you see, there was deception involved with Jacob. He was deceived. And that, that parallels with Pergamos. And uh, Pergamos was the church where, where the church and the state married, where the two came together and the state was the church and the church was the state. And boy, that didn't work, did it? That didn't work. All right, and it was all done to profligate deception. Then number four, Joseph. Joseph, you'll remember, was imprisoned 
and, uh, and dominated by Egypt, by the world. Egypt is always a picture of the world in the Bible, all right? And Thyatira is the church of the world full of idolatry. It's the world's church. Then Moses. Moses brought the remnant out of Egypt, out of the world, into the promised land. And Sardis means remnant. It means remnant. All right? And then we've got uh, uh, Joshua, and Joshua led the Jews into the land of promise. He led them in. And that parallels with the sixth church, which is the church at Philadelphia. That one was the missions church. That's, that one was the, the one where, where the missionaries were sent to Africa and Asia and, and, uh, and all around the world from England and, uh, and from the United States. And they went out preaching the gospel and seeing multitudes of people get saved. Why? Uh, because we're to love the souls of men, all men. All right? And that leads us now to judges. Judges. And that parallels with Laodicea. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And Laodicea ruled by the people. All right, do you see that? So what do we have here, folks? Starting all the way back in the Old Testament, you have God's Holy Spirit giving us that book, giving us God's plan for mankind. All right, now, let me show you something neat. Here's number three, all right? And I only have three points, so, you know, we're almost done. Okay, almost. Not quite, but almost. Don't get your hopes up too high. <laughs> All right? So the question is, well, well, what do we do? I mean, this world's a mess. Look what democracy has given us. Look where we are. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. Yes, yes. But what do we do? What is our hope? Well, here's number three, the promise of Laodicea. Now watch very carefully. After the book of Judges, we have Ruth, right? Ruth, what happens during, in the book of Ruth? Well, you have the, the uh, uh, we have Ruth and then that's followed by 1 Samuel. But what happens in the book of Ruth? Well, we see a man named Boaz, Boaz. You know what Boaz would be if he had not married Ruth? Ruthless. Ah, <laughs> oh, you got that one, didn't you? Huh? Yeah. All of you got that. All right. I'm sorry. That was a bad one. All right. In Ruth, we see Boaz. And Boaz is our kinsman redeemer. He's a picture of Jesus. And so Ruth and Boaz get married, okay? Then what comes after Judges? Well, uh, you've got 
Ruth first, then you've got 1 Samuel. You got 1 Samuel. Listen, when Ruth and Boaz got married, that eventually brought King David into the picture. Remember that? In 1 Samuel, though, we see the people asking Samuel to give them a king so they can be like all the other nations. All right? Samuel, give us a king. And you remember that Samuel went to God and said, God, the people want a king. And God said, no. And so he went back and he told them, no, no king. No, God's to be the king. And so they wouldn't stop and they kept on. So Samuel, they made Samuel go back to God and beg. They want a king. They want a king. And Samuel was so upset. You remember that? And God said to him, Samuel, don't be upset. They have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should rule over them. All right, everybody follow me so far? All right, so, so we got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Judges. Then we've got the marriage in Ruth and Boaz. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. That marriage is a picture of the rapture of the church when the Lord Jesus comes for his bride. The trumpet sounds, and we go up, and there's going to be a wedding in heaven that is going to make Kim Kardashian blush. <laughs> I mean, blush. All right? So we got in Ruth, we have a picture. Then what happens? Then what happens? All right? Uh, follow me carefully here now. Follow me carefully. One of these days, one of these days, and I think soon, when we are all caught up in this Laodicean thinking, bang, the trumpet's going to sound. And we, the church, are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Our Boaz, our kinsman redeemer, is going to come and take us out of the field. The field is always a picture of, of the world in the Bible. And, uh, and uh, the Lord is going to come and take us uh, home to be with him. The bride and the groom are finally going to be wedded together uh, in heaven. Now, you've heard it all your life, folks, but the simple truth of the matter is Jesus is coming soon. You can mark that down. We are living in the last days of the last days. There, there is no eighth patriarch. There is no eighth patriarch. All right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, uh, Moses, Joshua, period of the judges. There is no eighth patriarch. It's, it, and listen, there is no eighth church. You get to Laodicea. That's it. And we are here in Laodicea. It's, this is Laodicea and the book of Judges all wrapped into one. That's where we are in our world. So what's going to happen when the church is raptured? Well, same thing that happened in the book of 1 Samuel. 
You say, well, what happened in the book of 1 Samuel? Well, all right, explained a little bit of it to you. But the Jews came to Samuel and they said, we want a king. God said, nope, nope, can't have a king. And they cried and cried. And finally, God told Samuel, Samuel, they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me that I should reign over them. So God gave them a king. Do you remember what his name was? Israel's first king. What was his name? Saul. Saul was from the tribe of what? Benjamin. Wrong tribe. Wrong tribe. Do not we remember reading that the scepter in Genesis 49, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. So the wrong king is on the throne, isn't he? And what happened? Well, you remember that king decided one day that he was going to go into the priesthood. Remember that? He couldn't wait on Samuel to come. So he went across the line. And when he did that, when he went over the line, God said, you're out. And so he sent Samuel down to Bethlehem in Judah. Now we got the right tribe. And Boaz and Ruth's great-great-grandson was chosen. And David became the king. David became the king. All right? Now, I want you to think about this. You know what happened there, right? Now watch. As soon as Ruth and Boaz are married, as soon as the rapture happens and the church is taken to heaven to be uh, united with the groom, the Lord Jesus, there is going to be, during the tribulation period, during the ruin period, so much chaos and mess on this earth that the world is going to cry, somebody save us. Folks, we're already here. I mean, we're already here. You, you folks are, are paying, how much did you say uh, inflation is down here? You're, you're paying, what did you say, 18, 20% more for stuff than what you were paying just a year ago? Well, it's the same way in America. It's the same way in Europe. I mean, it's all over the world. And people are getting tired of it. I mean, everything's a mess. Every, here, what's right has become wrong. And what's wrong has become right. And what's going to happen during that tribulation period? Such chaos. And the world is going to be crying. There's going to be war. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be uh, uh, inflation like never seen before. The economies of the world will crash. And they're going to say, somebody help us. We need a king. Somebody help us. And that's when the Antichrist is going to rise. In the first half of the tribulation period. And everything will be grand and glorious for a little while, just like it was with Saul. But then what's going to happen at the midpoint 
of the tribulation period. You remember, according to Paul, writing to the Thessalonian church, you'll remember that this man of sin is going to go into the newly built Jewish temple and he is going to uh, declare himself God. He's going to cross the line just like Saul did. And just as God said, Saul crossed the line, you're out. You're out. Je uh, 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 Samuel, go down to the house of Jesse and, and find the king. And he went down to Judah, the right king, and what happened? David was put in in Saul's place. And so during the tribulation period, the Antichrist is going to be sitting on the throne thinking he's it. And what's going to happen? He's going to be kicked off. Wrong king is on the throne. And then the right king is coming back. And when the right king comes back, he is going to sit down upon the throne of David. And by the way, under David, Israel had its most prosperous time. There was peace. What are they crying for over in Israel now? Peace. Give us peace. We want peace. You talk to any Arab over there. What are they crying for? Peace. We want peace. Of course, we want Israel dead, but we want peace. I don't know how the two go together, but that's... I mean, everybody wants peace. They're tired of the fighting. They're tired of it. I mean, imagine living in your home where you've got rockets fired at you day and night. Imagine that. Well, not just for a few times, but a lot. I've been over to Israel 17 times, taking people from my church 17 different times. I've been over there when the fighting was broke out, when it was going on. It, it is eerie. It's scary. I mean, when you hear a bomb go off, whoo, and it shakes the whole city, it's scary. Well, that's what these people over in Israel live with. Peace. We want peace. And so this Antichrist will come in the first half, and he'll establish peace. But then once that peace is established, he goes in and breaks the covenant with Israel. And he sits on that throne for three and a half years while God judges the world. It's going to be awful. It's going to be awful. All right? You see God's, you, you see the Old Testament in the New Testament? I mean, the Antichrist is going to step up and say, uh, I'll be your king. I'll be your king. And God is then going to say, wait a minute, this is not the lamb. This is not my king. This is not my son. And so he's going to be kicked off the throne and the son of God. The son of God himself will sit down upon the throne of David and rule and reign for a thousand years. Let's see the Democrats do that in America. You remember that, I'll close with this, do you remember that 
Um, all of you see the picture? Yeah. I just wanted you to see the picture so badly. I was, I've been thinking about it all day. I thought, you all need to see this picture so you'll read your Bible in a different light. Go back and read the story of Abraham. Go from Abraham to Isaac and Isaac to Jacob and Jacob to Joseph and Joseph to Moses, Moses to Joshua, Joshua to Judges. And realize the book of the Revelation is right there. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And that's why I believe with all my heart that the pre uh, the, the pre uh, tribulation rapture and the pre uh, uh, the uh, pre millennial return of Christ is the correct way because it fits that Bible picture to the T. God knows what He's doing. God knows what he's doing. Aren't you glad you know the Lord as your Savior? Amen. Hey, folks, listen. Uh, when everything gets bad, you know, when everything starts going chaotic and wild and weird and all that, you just go over to the book of the Revelation and go go here, go here to the to the end and you start reading and you go, wow, we win. <laughs> we win! We're on the winning side. So don't get weary in well-doing. Don't throw your hands up and say, ah, what's the use? You're on the winning side. And Jesus is coming again. Could be tonight. Could be tonight. You know, I was thinking this this afternoon when I was think I knew I was you know I knew I was going to preach this, and I got to thinking. I remembered something that that Brother Lewis said to me when uh, when I first got here. He said, "You know," uh, I said, are, "Are did I cross the date line?" And he said, "Yeah, you did. That's why you lost today, dummy." <laughs> and I went, "Oh, well, I was a little jet lagged." Okay, so I said, "Oh." And he said, yeah, he said, he said, Auckland, New Zealand, we get, we get the, you know, the first New Year celebration. And you do. You do. I mean, we start seeing your celebration before it's even New Year's. We do. We see yours. They always show yours to us on, on, on the news. And he said, he said, uh, uh, yeah, I said, it's, we're always first. We're always first. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. That is awesome. And I was just thinking today, wouldn't it be something if the Lord Jesus came back today? And we just turned around and saw him light up the sky and the trumpet sound. And then it's going to go all the way around the world. The dead in Christ rise. They rise first. You know why, don't you? Because they got six feet further to go than the rest of us. Come on, everybody knows that. That was a joke. All right, don't get upset. Yeah. 
He's coming again. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your wonderful eternal word. And Father, I pray that you'll help us to absorb all this. I know it was a lot of information to, to give. But Father, I, I just pray that you'll, you'll use this to give us understanding of your wonderful word. I mean, to sit here in, in 2024 and read the Bible and be able to see in the Old Testament what is about to take place here in the New Testament. And then we read about it in the New Testament. And man, it just thrills our soul to realize that we could be that generation that does not have to die. So Father, I pray you'll bless the word and encourage us and strengthen us and speak to our hearts. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, folks, listen. When Paul was writing to the Thessalonians about the rapture and about the second coming, he said, wherefore, Comfort one another with these words. Isn't it strange he would say that? He didn't say, wherefore, use these words to get folks saved with. No, no. He said, comfort one another with these things. And I want you to be comforted tonight, knowing that there is a promise that Jesus is coming again. Oh, keep your heart right with God. Stay in the book. Stay in the book. And let God do something wonderful in your life. I want you to love him with all your heart. Love him and serve him with all your heart. Let's all stand together, please. I'd like for somebody to come to the piano if, if they would and play an invitation song of some kind. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to invite you to come and make a decision for the Lord that you're going to stick with it. Be comforted tonight in knowing that God is in control. Folks, there is absolutely nothing that Satan can do to prevent the Lord Jesus from coming. Nothing. And when the time is right, God the Father is going to look over at God the Son and say, Son, go get my children. Go get my children. So how about, how about making a decision for the Lord that you're going to stay faithful, you're going to stay in the book, you're going to stay in church, you're going to win people to Christ and let God use you. Would you come right now? Just step out and come. Get alone with the Lord. Just step out. That's right. God bless you. God bless you. Wonderful. You can just make an altar wherever you are. That's fine. Just kneel down by your seat or use your seat as an altar. That's fine.
Folks, let me pray for you before we close. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the blessed privilege to be here and preach your word to these sweet people. And Father, thank you for this pastor. Thank you for his heart. Thank you for his precious family. And Father, I pray that you'll keep your hand upon him and use him here to build a tremendous work for you. And Lord, we thank you for your word and churches are built upon your word and knowing and, and obeying the word of God, holding it high like a banner. And so, Father, help, Pastor, to keep your word held high for all to see. And I pray for these dear folks. Thank you for every decision that they have made. And, Father, I ask you to bless them, bless them in ways they never even understood it was possible to be blessed. And fill them with your spirit and your power and your love and your grace and use them for your honor and glory. And Father, thank you for the privilege to be here. Bless now we ask as, as we close the service, in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. 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 Am